It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN on this Tuesday. Thank you so much for joining us. Scott Foster in here with you, along with Bob Rogan and Jason Jorgensen and Susan Littlefield as we take a look at uh, the uh, issues that we have in each of the departments. And we take a look at our what's coming in our midday the next couple hours. Let's uh, begin our story off with Susan Littlefield. Susan? Well, thanks, Scott. Here's what's happening on the midday coming from the farm team. Bryce will kick everything off at 1219 as extension webinar on drought management for ranchers is taking place. Then at 1245, Alex will talk about the Ravenna FFA taking part in the FFA launch. And then I'll wrap up everything at 117 as we talk about grilling opportunities and the tips coming from an expert. Chef Gavin Pinto joins us with Certified Angus Beef. That's a midday from the farm team. All right. Thank you so much, Susan. I appreciate it. We turn it over to Jason Jorgensen in another busy time in sports. Lots of games going on now. Yeah, there is. We have some Major League Baseball when the players don't have COVID, (laughs) NBA, NHL. Also, the NCAA Board of Governors is meeting today to try to decide what they are going to do with their fall championships. Now, this would not affect uh, FBS, but it certainly would the FCS, and this could filter down to Division II and Division III. Uh, They met, if you remember, in late July and decided to kick the can down the road until the day. They may not decide anything today either. When did the remind me when the MIAA decided to kick it down to the cantel? Well, they, they did theirs back in July, yeah. and then they decided they were going to wait until August thirty first to okay. open up camps. Well, with Division One right now, of course, Nebraska and the rest of the Big Ten are waiting to hear from the Big Ten and what they plan to do because well, they're supposed to start official workouts on Monday. Now, the uh, Big 12, they announced late last night what they'd kind of like to do with their football schedule. We still haven't heard anything from the Big Ten. What's holding the Big Ten back, too, is you continue to have schools uh, having outbreaks of COVID. Uh, There's close to 28 kids now at Rutgers with it. And uh, Northwestern had a kid test positive. So, world we live in. Well, and meanwhile, Wisconsin has a player that he's not going to play. So, we'll see some of that opting out taking place, too, I suppose. It's a wild year. <laughs> crazy, crazy. All right. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan and take a look at stocks real quick here. And it uh, looks like the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up pretty nice at 239. NASDAQ and S&P also up at this time, Bob. It is. Uh, the stocks have been drifting between small gains and losses. Uh, Wall Street taking a pause following its big rally over the last couple of months, the S&P 500 was virtually flat in early morning trading after earlier flipping from a loss of two-tenths percent to a similar gain. Meanwhile, regulators are looking into U.S. tech giant Google's plan to buy fitness tracking device maker Fitbit because the... Uh, Google keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and they own every they own everything. So they will surpass well. countries. I mean, pretty soon yes. they'll have a gross domestic product of more than the U.S. Uh, maybe they've already surpassed it. But anyway, I've gone way past my allotted time here. And Honda is also recalling a whole bunch of minivans to fix a numerous number of problems. So. I wish they would recall my Jeep and give me a new one, but uh, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, Probably past that, Bob. Thank you very much. That's all coming up on me.
schools and the pandemic how education can coexist with COVID-19 that's the topic of the next rural radio forum Tuesday August 11th from 3 to 4 central 2 to 3 mountain on KRVM special guests include Nebraska Department of Education Commissioner Matt Bloomstead director of the NSA Jay Beller and more we'll dive into education in Nebraska during the pandemic the difficulties of making decisions to go back to school along with how things may look this academic year Nebraska schools and the pandemic on the next rural radio Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. And Paul Perkins joins me here in the studios and uh, had a few thunder boomers pass through the central part of the state today. Exactly. Those are starting to wind down. We did have some areas that where there was some moderate to heavier rains, but really just dropping some very light amounts of rain. A lot of the rain currently now from about the Tri-Cities area, Grand Island, Hastings, and Kearney, then down to around the Alma area to Red Cloud. Looks like a fairly strong thunderstorm cell just to the south of Alma. Then some lighter activity on into northern Kansas towards Smith Center. Then kind of an offshoot of some rain there uh, from Ravana on up into north-central Nebraska to the O'Neill area. Some light rain showers, but these grains gradually uh, starting to wind down. Yeah, these are the kinds of things that we're going to be seeing maybe in the overnight the next few days, probably these kind of little storms. Again. Exactly, yeah. Now, this system kind of formed over north-central Nebraska near Valentine this morning and then just kept holding together longer than the forecast models really anticipated. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we could see more additional thunderstorms probably over the yeah, through the weekend as we see some storms fire out west and then gradually move to the east. But, yeah, right now some light rain, once again, mainly over south-central Nebraska, moving off towards the south and southeast. Our temperatures, for the most part, in the mid to upper 60s, where we are seeing some sunshine in west-central Nebraska, down into the southwest, into northwest Kansas, and also into much of eastern Nebraska. Those temperatures more so in the low and mid-70s, but the rain and cloud cover in central areas of Nebraska holding down the uh, temperatures for the time being. Temperatures today, once again, about 10 degrees cooler than usual with some mainly sunny skies. South winds increasing as the region sits between high pressure over Iowa and low pressure over the western high plains. This afternoon, additional thunderstorms expected to develop near a warm front stretching from the Panhandle to eastern Colorado. Maybe a little bit of activity trying to get going right now in the Nebraska Panhandle and the eastern areas from about Ridgeport to Oshkosh. But those thunderstorms, what's left of those thunderstorms that develop in the west today, they will track into the central and east late this afternoon through tonight. Some storms could be severe, especially along and west of a line. What's going along and west of a line from Thedford to North Platte, Binkelman, and Brewster in Kansas, where there is a slight risk of severe storms. Any rain totals will be mostly light. Multiple disturbances will lead to additional mainly light day and nighttime thunderstorms for tomorrow through the weekend as those storms develop where the high plains drift to the east. Due to the scattered nature and lack of any real large-scale system, large scale system, most locations will be dry or just receive a small amount of rain. With the building ridge of high pressure to the west for the late week, temperatures will warm to more seasonal levels and as high as the upper 80s to the 90s by the weekend. And it looks that's, like that's going to be the trend in our long-term forecast. In the long-term forecast, warmer than normal temperatures, very likely for Nebraska, Kansas, and the entire central and eastern U.S. Sunday through August 17th. 
heading into mid-August. Central Nebraska highs are usually in the mid-80s with average overnight lows in the low 60s. A likelihood of below normal rainfall is predicted Sunday through August 17th for Nebraska, Kansas, and right in the central U.S. Weather factors affecting the markets include rain benefiting eastern areas of the Midwest and indications of favorable weather for eastern Russia wheat yields. For the rest of the week, relatively tranquil weather will prevail across most of the country. Five-day rain totals could locally exceed an inch across the plains and upper Midwest, so not much rain. Cooler than normal weather will continue the next several days across the Mid-South and Midwest, while heat will build by the end of the week across the high plains. Eastern Midwest crop weather will be favorable after moderate to heavy rain this past weekend and some scattered showers today. Most of the western Midwest seeing very little rain right now in Iowa crops undergoing notable stress. Showers will move back into western areas of the Midwest for tomorrow and Thursday and then spread east this weekend. Southern Plains crop weather, a benefit to the row crops in the filling stage after recent rain and currently mild temperatures. Russia wheat yields are higher when compared to some previous projections. The increase in wheat yields due to recent rains and most noted in the Volga and Central Districts. And all along, pretty quiet for us. All right. Very good. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, when we look at... You look at these storms coming up that that this one kind of brewed up overnight uh, or in the morning. It's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of this time of year, too. You know, we yep. do see this a lot, don't we, yeah. Yeah, you get that afternoon heating, that humidity, and then and then a lot of times, you know, they fire up towards the high plains and where they get that lift near front and then just track east and, and just that, that very common pattern for yeah. this time of year. All right. Very good. Thank you, Paul. Where do you go to check in on your weather? WeatherTap, krvn.com. Drought areas continue to grow across Nebraska. In response, Nebraska Extension is set to host a webinar on management suggestions. Good afternoon to you. I'm Bryce Duskit reporting. A Nebraska Extension webinar is scheduled for this Thursday at noon and will focus on the financial impact of drought on ranches and discuss available tools to help in the decision-making process. Robert Tigner is an agricultural systems economist. Yes, this Thursday, uh, Nebraska Extension, uh, Ag Economics Department, uh, are holding a webinar um, over the noon hour at our website called farm.unl.edu uh, to cover some of the things that ranchers might need to think about. Well, they'll definitely need to think about uh, due to drought impacts. Uh, these uh, reductions in, in pasture forage have people thinking about well how, whether whether or not to keep cows uh, early weaned calves to um, to sell down um, depopulate buy feed there's a whole host of strategies that uh, ranchers use during during this kind of uh, problem and so what we're going to cover is some of the financial results of modeling that shows that there might be different strategies that these ranchers want to really seriously think about uh, in the different points along a beef price cycle. It does change a little bit uh, which strategy seems to be more appropriate based on the timing of their of the drought and the beef price cycle. 
Well, some folks across Nebraska might be wondering, as you say the words drought, you know, where's the drought? We sometimes get <laughs> caught up in our bubble, but there's certainly some dry spots across uh, Nebraska and really the entire Midwest, uh, depending where you see. So can you give an update a little bit of maybe how widespread in some geographic areas which are seeing heavier amounts of drought right now than others? Well, right now, um, the drought tendency um, is in the panhandle and in southwestern um, Oh, quarter of Nebraska, but it's it's it isn't just drought, but it's the timing of precipitation that is at issue too. Um, if we have good precipitation in April and May, then lots of cool season uh, forage is produced. There isn't so much uh, problem with uh, providing feed for cows and maybe having to to buy feed, but we've had that precipitation later on in the year. We had um, precipitation in July, which is okay for for later season forage production, but that's not the big part of forage in Nebraska. Uh, 60% of forage is produced uh, in uh, cool season grasses, and we didn't have the moisture, the rainfall that we needed to have that good uh, cool season grass production. Well, you mentioned the problem there, and uh, the solution, or at least part of it, will be tuning into this webinar again happening on Thursday. Give us the details about how this will be held and how long it will be. We are uh, holding it at our website called farm.unl.edu. We were real original uh, in choosing farm because that stands for farm and ranch management. Um, And so farm.unl.edu, you can register for the webinar. It's an hour long. It's on Thursday from noon to 1. That was Robert Tigner, an agricultural systems economist. From the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Bryce Duskin on the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks. Well, in the NCAA Board of Governors meets today, the future of fall sports will be at stake. The board will review NCAA Fall Sports Championships, which includes the FCS playoffs, which certainly have been put into peril due to the pandemic. Now, the board met on July 24th and considered three options for fall championships. Conduct them in the fall with potentially a reduced number of competitors or move them to the spring or flat out cancel them. Ultimately, the board decided to push its decision back to today's meeting. Big 12 presidents and chancellors approved a scheduling model for the upcoming season if there is one. That will include nine conference games and one non-conference game. Startup conference play will be solidified in the coming weeks with an anticipated start sometime in mid to late September. The league still expects to play its non-conference games before the start of league play. The model gives the Big 12 some flexibility to move back the Big 12 Dr. Pepper Championship game to either December 12th or 19th. Well, when you thought things couldn't get any lower for Rutgers football, it does. NJ.com reports the Scarlet Knights are in the throes of a massive coronavirus outbreak, including players and staff. There was an outbreak last week that the media said was a result of players taking part in a dorm party. The number of COVID-19 cases connected to the football team nearly has doubled from 15 to 28 players. The Sunbelt Conference will keep its eight-game league football schedule and allow its members to play up to four non-conference games. The conference's ten members had 12 games scheduled against Power 5 conference opponents, but with those leagues eliminating almost all of their non-conference games, 
left the Sun Belt looking for holes to fill their schedules. Well, six-time Pro Bowl running back LaShawn McCoy has finalized a one-year contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. With that signing, the Bucks add another offensive playmaker to help out Tom Brady with his new team. The 32-year-old McCoy is entering his 12th NFL season. He's rushed for more than 11,000 yards and 73 touchdowns in his career. That's a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Time for Midday News. Ellen Simmons is now checked in here. And uh, Ellen, some good news in particular for people that uh, love Jimmy Rock. Yeah, so much to the delight of Nebraska history buffs and out-of-state travelers, the newly revamped and renovated visitor center at Chimney Rock reopened the doors over the weekend. License plates from Texas, Michigan, and Washington State were among those cited in the parking lot as people took in the new interior and improved interactive exhibits. Site manager Lauren Pospisil with History Nebraska told our sister station, KNEB, there were two-hour soft openings on Thursday and Friday ahead of the Saturday official opening, and visitors seemed pleased with the changes. Everyone really likes it. Uh, the Thursday and Friday, families just love the interactive activities. Also just the overall tone and feel of the place is uh, much more modern. The changes include a newly expanded education room for school programs, new theater space, improved gift shop, and the addition of new space to act as a storm shelter. Chimney Rock Museum will be open Wednesdays through Saturday, excuse me, through Sundays, but a grand opening celebration won't be held until next year at the earliest due to the pandemic. Have you ever been there before? One time when I was really young, and all I remember is the theater, and it oh, was okay. so cool. You know, it's interesting because growing up in western Nebraska, you kind of take it for granted. Yeah. You, know, you drive past it all the time, going to Scotts Bluff or mm-hmm. North or for baseball tournaments, and you drive past it all the time, and then up here people are like, Jimmy Rock's great, and yeah. it's cool, but you just take it for granted because it's something you see yeah. you know, all the time. Well, so it's like the archway, I suppose, out here. I just that's live true. by it. You know? <laughs> well, and the one thing I always noticed when I was younger, it was way bigger. <laughs> of course. And it's, I mean, it's sad, though, because yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, mm, it's gone mm, mm, down mm. quite a bit. Well, at least it is now open yet again. Yes. Um, so South Central Nebraska Sheriff's deputy accused of giving a teenage girl a black eye has been acquitted of child abuse. A Lincoln Journal Star reports that a jury, excuse me, that a jury last week found 32-year-old Jamie Tilson found that found not guilty of misdemeanor counts of child abuse and third-degree assault. The charges stemmed from a September 3rd incident in Holdridge in which Tilson sought to take away the teenage relative's phone. Arresting officers said in an affidavit that the teen kicked a hole in a wall and, t- and talked back to Tilson, who said he went to slap the girl in the mouth but hit her in the eye when he flinched, causing a black eye. Tilson remains employed by the Phelps County Sheriff's Office. Governor P. Ricketts was joined by the State Education Commissioner on Monday to discuss back-to-school plans by districts across the state and stress the importance of having children back in the classroom environment. Ricketts told reporters in the governor's hearing room, while some kids learn really well in a remote environment, others do not, and in-person instruction will address more than just academic progression. It's about socialization, making sure kids can see other kids. It's about physical health, the physical health that goes on in schools. It's about mental and behavioral health. Uh, Again, making sure that that kids are getting that uh, attention from that standpoint. And many kids receive behavioral health services through their schools. It's about nutritional. 
we know that many kids get new, uh, meet part of their nutritional needs in school. Education Commissioner Matt Bloomstead said his department has been working closely with districts across the state on fall semester plans to address not only the needs of children, but also the concerns of parents, teachers, and administration. You can find more news at krvn.com. Thank you very much, Ellen. The Ravenna FFA chapter was recently part of the launch program, specifically the R Laser Solutions business. And we're joined on the phone by Kale Ellenstein and Colby Van Winkle to learn more. Uh, first of all, Kale, we'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about your business, R Laser Solutions. Um, so we were part of the launch program at, down at UNL and kind of got it started, taught us the basics of um entrepreneurship and then and brainstorm some ideas and um the ffa here in ravana had um a laser machine and we've always kind of talked about doing something with it and so we just thought it was our perfect chance and um so we laser on anything from leather to tumblers and wood we can do a lot of stuff Kale mentioned this, Colby, but uh, this program or this business got started because of the launch program. How does the launch program work? Uh, the launch program works by uh, they just there's a group of schools and you just get to learn about entrepreneurship and how to grow a business for like future, like if you want to make one down the line. This really just gets good stepping stones towards your future on starting a business. And, Kale, what did you guys get out of the launch program uh, besides, of course, you got the business idea, but what else did you gain from that experience? Um, I mean, there was all sorts of life lessons in there and things that, I mean, could really help us in the future. And maybe one day we can, you know, apply these entrepreneur skills and, you know, brainstorming to make our own business, you know, someday down the line. Colby, what's been the feedback that you guys have had from your community since starting this business? Uh, it's been really good. We've had a lot of our uh, in-town businesses actually come to us with ideas for us to laser for, like, customer appreciation days and stuff. So it's been pretty good, and we've even grown to sometimes out of our community and done into other communities. So it's been pretty great. Kale, what are the future goals for this business within your guys' FFA chapter? Um, right now, we are, we are looking for um, some younger students to maybe take over. We started with four team members. Two of them just graduated, so we're kind of down on numbers. Just two, The two of us are left. And uh, we're looking in the younger you know, uh, classes to see if we can find some help and hopefully – let this business continue. Uh, Colby, I'm sure this is not the only thing your guys' FFA chapter is busy doing. What are some other things that the Ravenna FFA chapter keeps busy doing? Uh, we have a greenhouse to where we grow flowers every spring that we sell to people, and we also uh, do compete in CDs and LDEs and basically everything FFA provides. We're visiting with Kale Ellenstein and Colby Van Winkle. They're both seniors and members of the Raven FFA chapter, and they were part of the FFA launch program and started their business, Our Laser Solutions. Kale, because you're going to be a senior, tell us what your future plans might be. 
Uh, I am looking at going to Sydney, Nebraska to um, get my certificate in uh, aviation maintenance. And Colby, you'll also be a senior. What are your future plans? Uh, I don't know where I'm going to go, but I want to go into some form of engineering or like architecture. All right, good deal. Well, I also want to bring in your advisor, Heath Ahrens. Uh, Heath, tell me a little bit more about this launch program and how the process works on your end. Um, we did the application process, and then there's there's a couple of phases that they did. Um, they did a quick pitch a year ago in July. Uh, once we were accepted, we got trained a little bit, and then they um, did a quick pitch program to actually ask for some money to build the business. Um, and so last July, they received $1,700 for the rotary attachment. And that's kind of what spun the business, literally, with their tumblers. And they um, were able to buy the rotary attachment. And then the final pitch was supposed to happen at state convention. And they got to do it eventually, virtually. Um, and then they were announced the winners that way. Um, but they got to pitch their final, what they've learned and how you know, the process all works for them throughout the year. So it initially starts with the application process um, with kind of that business idea and what possibilities they may, might have in mind. Awesome. Great information. Well, as we round out this conversation, gentlemen, I just want to ask you quick, what's the best way to uh, keep up to date with the Ravenna FFA chapter and learn more about your business? Uh, you can follow. We have a Facebook page and um it's just our laser solutions, and you can message, uh, message us, or I think there's some phone numbers on there if you want to call. So, Thanks so much. Great information. Again, we've been joined by Kale Ellenstein and Colby Van Winkle. They're both seniors and members of the Ravenna FFA chapter. We've also been joined by Heath Ahrens. He is the Ravenna FFA chapter advisor. As the Ravenna FFA chapter was part of the launch program, and ultimately they started their business, Our Laser Solutions. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. With the business report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks have been drifting between small gains and losses as Wall Street takes a pause following its big rally over the last couple of months. The S&P 500 was virtually flat in early morning trading after earlier flipping from a loss of two-tenths of a percent to a similar gain. Nearly as many stocks in the index were falling as rising. European Union regulators have opened an in-depth investigation into U.S. tech giant Google's plan to buy fitness tracking device maker Fitbit. The EU's executive commission saying it's concerned the deal would entrench Google's position in the online ad market by increasing the already vast amount of data the company could use to personalize ads. Google agreed to buy Fitbit in November for $2.1 billion. Indian health authorities say Phase two clinical trials for coronavirus vaccines developed by Indian companies have started. They involve an inactivated virus vaccine developed by Bharat Biotech and a DNA vaccine candidate developed by Zytus Cadella. Phase two trials for the vaccine candidate developed by the University of Oxford will start at 17 locations in the next week. Ford Chief Operating Officer Jim Farley will lead the storied automaker into the future starting October 1st when current CEO Jim Hackett retires. 
The company has struggled in recent years and is in the midst of an $11 billion restructuring plan designed to make it leaner and crank out new vehicles to replace what was an aging model lineup. Honda is recalling over 1.6 million minivans and SUVs in the U.S. to fix problems. They cover certain Odyssey minivans from 2018 to 2020, pilot SUVs from 2019 through 2021, and passport SUVs from 2019 and 2020. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Rook. KRVN, 93.1 The River, and Cami have always blazed new trails. This year is no different. We're giving you a chance to win a brand new Chevrolet Blazer. And not just any Blazer. A 2020 Blazer loaded with extra details like tinted windows and a custom paint job. For your first look, go to krvn.com and check it out. Be listening because we'll be giving more details on how you can get registered to win the Blazer this fall. We are blazing new trails. Thanks to these partners. Eustace Body Shop, Eustace, Cozad, Lexington, Kearney, Grand Island, and Lincoln. Heartland Chevrolet and Buick, Lexington. Nutrien Ag Solutions. Suretop Angus and Charlet, Farnham. Cornerstone Bank. Member FDIC. With 43 locations serving Nebraska. Central Valley Irrigation. Holdridge, Lexington, Kearney. Nebraska Land, Kansas Land, Colorado Land Tire Group. And Lexington Regional Health center the cooler temperatures we're experiencing this week might make you want to be friends with your grill again good afternoon i'm susan littlefield on the rural radio network chef gavin pinto is with certified angus beef he gives us his best chef tips on making your grilling experience all you want it to be so um the tips that i have can apply to either a charcoal or a gas grill it's really just how to treat the beef and what kind of and also what kind of beef to use. Uh, the first tip is you always want to start with a high quality beef. Um, you know, certified Angus beef is the upper when it comes to choice beef, and we also have prime. So knowing that you're going to get high choice, which means a high level of marbling, or prime, um, which it will be labeled as prime, that's going to give you the guarantee that steaks are going to be juicy and flavorful because the marbling is what you really want to look for in a good steak. Um, and when you're looking for a steak, make sure you're picking those steaks that are known for their tenderness. Um, if you want a perfect steak, um, you know, the, the New York strips, the fillets, the ribeyes, the T-bones, um, they're special occasion steaks, but those are the kind of steaks that are going to give you a quality eating experience because those are the most tender cuts. Um, the next tip I have is when you have your grill heating, um, I have two zones to my grill. So if I'm doing charcoal, I dump all the charcoal on like half of the surface area of the grill and leave the other half empty. And then so where I put the charcoal, or if you have a gas grill, turn one burner on, leave the other one off. Um, the, the key about that is you want the one zone where you have super high heat, and that's to sear your steak. Because the sear on a steak is going to get you the most flavor. It's going to get you that nice crust that just you really desire when you have a really nicely cooked steak. So I sear over the super high heat, and it's more about um, visual cues than it is about time. I want to see that really good sear. I want to see that browning. And then I move it off the high heat to finish it through. So I just make sure both sides get a beautiful sear. And if it's a thicker steak, I move it off the high heat onto that cooler zone and then put the lid on, and that's where I finish cooking it through rather than over the direct heat. 
Can you overflavor an overseasoned steak and ruin it? I mean, I think you can. Um, like, you want to use a good amount of salt, especially, and you got to think about thickness. If you have a one inch thick steak, you can easily overseason it as opposed to like an inch and a half, like really thick steakhouse steak. So you want to make sure you're using a lighter hand the thinner the steak is and a heavier hand the thicker the steak is. And personally, I just like to do kosher salt and fresh cracked pepper. Uh, kosher salt is nice because it's a bigger grain and it doesn't melt on contact with the surface of the steak. So you actually see how much salt you're using. If you're using a thin like iodized salt, like a table salt, as soon as that hits the, the surface of the steak, it starts to dissolve and you kind of can't gauge as well how much salt you're using. So I like using a coarse kosher salt and then I do fresh cracked pepper out of a pepper mill. And again, nice and coarse because again, that helps to create a nice crust. And sometimes a really powdery, um, powdery pepper or even um, if you're using too much powdered seasonings, kind of create like a, a layer on the steak rather than soaking in or giving it texture. And then it kind of becomes um, like a gummy layer on top and then it doesn't allow for a great sear. Those comments coming from certified Angus beef chef, Gavin Pinto. By the way, CAB has some amazing grilling recipes on their website. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. On the Rural Radio Network, let's check in with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing and Chicago Publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. And John, looking here across the board as the settlements come in on the grains, we are red on the screen. Soybeans leading the way lower. Now, I know we're talking about maybe uh, a $3 handle there on the corn, but when you look at soybeans, how much downside potential is sitting here? 830. I mean, everything seems to be going to that spring low, and that's where the, the beans, you know, would. would would direct to that point. Meal is actually down at these levels that we're seeing corn. We kind of traded on the charts, uh, and beans haven't chased it yet. So, sometimes you know, if you get frozen up by your house, wait and kind of, you know, this is not the time of the, of the year where it tends to pay to be patient. Um, not saying that it's not going to bounce every now and then, but, uh, you know, if you're using the track record of the last three to four years, and certainly future results are going to be changing in that, but. Uh, you have to be a little intimidated here, just given the you know the size of the crop that's being thrown around, uh, you know, one eighty five ish and you know, fifty five ish, which are just massive supplies to be dealt with in the short term. On the soybean side, in the long run, you probably can see a bounce here, but um, you know, the Chinese mean ratchet of demand, just given relative to what we've seen. The good news is, is there anything to glean? I mean, gold's over $2,000 an ounce, so in that broader commodity sector, can we maybe see inflation if we continue down a similar track we're on? Absolutely. And that's where, for a guy like me, I sit and I look at the balance sheet, and I look at where we went the last few years, and I kind of just make an analysis based off the time of the year and the season. But at this point in time, it's not about you know, going up again. It's really more about what your time frame is. I think in the next month, it's not, again, buying beans, buying beans, buying corn, it just doesn't perform in August. It's a little bit like buying pumpkins in in, uh, in November, you know, just a lot of supply around and a little bit of demand isn't just going to, it's not going to tip the scale. So, but on the other side of the corn, we are cheap. And if you look at the case of, of gold and some of these other risk assets, that kind of tells me more of like, there's an investment vacuum to a certain degree. Like there is no, until you start getting negative rates placed on savings and on debt, like there's really no reason to uh, to do anything different right now. So 
I think you're going to see, you know, selling to a certain degree over the next month, but this may establish a pretty good low that could last a while. The key is really to look at the deferred contracts. Look at July of next year if you want to own corn. I think that's the value. We traded into the mid-340s today. Uh, that's uh, uh, that's some value there if you look back traditionally where we've gone. And again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. But do remember, trading futures and options involves risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Okay, thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up today's midday program. As always, if you miss anything, we podcast it. And you can listen for free at krvn.com or on iTunes. Our midday podcast is sponsored by Deveni Motors.